the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, we continue uh, our mini-series on the foundational work of the Holy Spirit in our walk of faith. And today we're going to talk about uh, faith demanding a response. The Holy Spirit's work in convincing us to walk by faith and not by sight. The message this morning is entitled, Are You All In or Are You Out? And our text is taken from John chapter 6. Uh, actually beginning with verse 58 uh, all the way to 68. But we're not going to read the entire thing for time's sake. I want to pick it up on verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray Him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And again in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said these words, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. I don't know what your uh, television watching habits are, but I know my own habits. I'd like to flip on that remote control and always flipping it, changing the channels until I find something that captures my interest. And, I, and I'm a fan of those old uh, horror movies, those black and white horror movies. And it's inevitable that in, in those movies, when you watch them on TV, uh, they have a way of trying to hook you. You know, it's always about uh, this, this, this dark moments uh, in, in the program wherein you're just expecting something scary to come out. You know, it's usually a, a hideous monster hiding in the darkness. And at any given moment, that monster is going to show up and do some damage to, to, to the, one of the characters in the show. And when that moment happens, it's inevitable that the camera will fade and the program will go into a commercial. And by the time that happens, I know my own habits. When it captures my attention, then I'm hooked. I'm going to go through the commercial and I want to continue watching the program. That's what experts call the opt-in moment. You know, it's that moment when you or the audience make a decision to go all in and watch the program. It's called the hook. When it hooks you, you're all in. 
And the same analogy applies to our walk of faith as Christians. There will be a point, a pivotal point in our lives, that defining moment when we will make that decision to be all in to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will give us that moment. It's a moment that will solidify that you and I are true disciples of Jesus. There are many followers of Jesus, but many do not make it to a point of being true disciples. And that's very important for us to understand in our walk of faith. That's what we examine within our hearts. We examine the fact that are we a true disciple of Jesus or are we mere followers of Jesus? Well, Pastor, why do you talk about that so much? Because I cannot emphasize enough that transition, that moment when we are making, when we, when we made that decision, rather, to be all in. And it is a defining moment in our lives. You will remember that moment when it happens to you because that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing us to that place of just being mere followers of Jesus to becoming His true, authentic disciples. The Holy Spirit will guide us to that moment. It's a solidifying moment, as I've said. Uh, Jesus says, many are called. That calling is the call to discipleship, and it's a universal call. But few are chosen. Uh, we, op we often take this to mean that God only chooses a few to be true followers, but, but that's not really what the intent of those words uh, were. I believe it's true that we are all called to a saving knowledge through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are proven to be true disciples when we choose to continue to follow, to be all in as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The road to true discipleship is a narrow road, but it's open to everyone. So the call is universal. God calls everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. But that moment where you and I make that decision to opt in completely, that's when we are proven to be true followers or true disciples of Jesus. That's exactly what happened in our text, okay? We find in the Gospel of John that Jesus had been uh, going from place to place, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, performing miraculous signs, healing the sick, raising the dead, and in one particular moment, even fed 5,000 people. He did, Jesus did this twice, the feeding of 5,000 people at one time and the feeding of 4,000 people. Uh, people from all walks of life had been following him. Crowds, multitudes came to hear him. But not all of them are true disciples. They followed Jesus perhaps because they were curious. They followed Jesus because perhaps they were intrigued. They followed Jesus because perhaps they were very impressed at the things that he could do. And, 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 and many of those who followed, and I, I'd like to believe that every one of them followed with clear motives, but I do believe many of those who followed Jesus in his day were also following him to find something wrong with Jesus, to find some flaw, some character flaw, some sin, some discrepancy between what he says and what he does. Some of them followed him to spy on what he was really trying to do. And there were many who followed Jesus, and yet they were never real believers. But they continued to follow him. Why? Because he multiplied the bread 
and he fed everyone in every way. Not just, you know, feeding them physically, but he fed their curiosity. He fed their spiritual needs. He fed their emotional uh, issues. And again, among the most outstanding miracles that Jesus performed was the feeding of the 5,000 people. And, and, and the reason why I say it's, it's, it's most, the most significant, if not, you know, the most significant, is because it was a, a pivotal moment in the ministry of Jesus. That's when he confronted those who were following him to take it to that next level and opting to be all in. You know, and that's why he fed everybody. That's why in that miracle, we, we, need, to be, we need to understand that, that Jesus had to do these things in order for them to continue to follow. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus was performing these miracles, not just because he's the Son of God, not just because, you know, he wanted to prove who he was, but he also wants to give people ample opportunities to make that decision to go all in. You know, there's, he, he had no shortage of miracle and fantastical things that he performed. And, and one of the reasons why he did that was so that people will continue to follow him and perhaps make that decision to completely opt in. Uh, then in, in verse 15 of our text, Jesus uh, sent his 12 disciples to go ahead of him to Capernaum by boat. And then on top of the feeding of the 5,000, he performed another outstanding miracle, and that is he walked on water. And in verse 26, when he got to the other side, to Capernaum, he found the same crowds following him. Those who were following him in the last city actually took boats and began to follow Jesus across the river. And you can just imagine the curiosity or, or the, the hunger that they have for someone like Jesus. Now, when everybody was there, they were looking for Jesus and they found him. Jesus said to them, you followed me not because you believe, but because you got fed. Now, Jesus was confronting them at this point. He said, do not work for food that perishes. Then they asked him, what then does God want us to do? In verse 29, Jesus says, believe in me. I am the bread of life. I am the bread that comes from heaven. Then look at verse 41. Then they started grumbling. Hmm, what's he talking about? He's the bread that came down from heaven. See, their mindset was completely different from what Jesus was proclaiming. Then here comes the bombshell. It's decision time. This is when Jesus was actually calling those who follow him, followed him to be Come, his true disciples. This is the moment uh, for those who still have that remote control of their lives and still trying to decide to flip the channels. This is that defining moment when that monster was about to come out of the bush. This is that moment when they have to make a decision. And in verses 51 and 58, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will become my disciples. And they all were bewildered. 
They didn't know quite how to respond to that because that was a pivotal moment. Jesus now was asking them to take their present walk of faith and they were confronted with the fact that they're going to have to eat the flesh and blood of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was speaking spiritually. He wasn't speaking literally. And yet, most of the people who were following him decided that this is just too difficult. Who can believe this? And the Bible says that in that moment, they opted out. They decided, this is just too much. I can't handle this. I mean, I can handle the miracles. I can handle the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000. I can handle all the wonderful things. But eat your flesh and drink your blood, that's just way too much for me. And the Bible says, from that point on, many stopped following Jesus. They had two options, to opt in or opt out. And guess what they did? They opted out. So Jesus looked at the 12 disciples. What about you? Are you in or are you out? Boy, Jesus was straightforward with this. I'm telling you, he's straightforward then and he's straightforward now. That's the same question Jesus is asking everybody right now, especially in this day and age, especially when the gospel is being mocked, when the word of God is being uh, abused, being, uh, you know, shamelessly attacked. Jesus is giving us the same call. Are you in or are you, are you out? What Jesus was asking them is, just, is, the, is this. To be my disciple is not about following me. To be my disciple is to be like me. I mean, that's the call of the gospel if you think about it hard enough. Being a disciple is not about following Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. That's why Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. What do you think he's saying? He's saying, unless you're like me. Unless you magnify who I am in your life. Unless you're all in. Unless I'm all in all, you cannot be my disciples. And in verse 66 to 69, the definitive statement of discipleship is this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he asked his disciples, you do not want to leave, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered for everybody. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? I love Peter. You know, with all his faults, with all of his shortcomings, he knew the right answer when Jesus asked, are you in or are you out? Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's the definitive statement of what it means to be a disciple. Okay, so what does a true disciple look like? There are four unmistakable marks. This is how we know that we're all in. Okay, so today, if you're not sure whether you're all in or you're not, there are four marks. Okay, four marks that will unmistakably identify you 
as a true follower of Jesus. Mark number one, a disciple is all in when a disciple is consumed by the commands of Christ. That's the first mark. It's a telltale sign. When we are consumed by the commands of Christ. To eat my flesh, Jesus said, and to drink my blood, Jesus said, means this. To eat my flesh is to consume my words. This has to do with what Jesus said, what he commanded, what he taught. Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. Jesus says, if you eat my flesh, you will never be hungry again. Why? Because the words of Christ are the words of life. So the first thing that we examine in ourselves that proves that we are true disciples is this great hunger for the words of Christ. Discipleship or true believing begins by knowing the words of Jesus, His commandments. How can we believe someone whom we've never really met or heard? You know, in, in, in that story, many in the crowds who followed Jesus never really knew Him. They followed Him, but they never really knew Him until, they, until He plainly said to them, Eat my flesh. Obey my commandments. No other words but mine. You're not to look at anything else. You're not to obey any other system. You're not to obey any other commands but my commands alone. And they had to make a decision. As we had to make a decision today. Is it Jesus' commandments? Is it Jesus' words alone? Or His words and something else? Are you all in? Or are you out? Okay, this was illustrated by Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 18, the very famous story of the rich young ruler. Okay, I'm not going to, again, read it for time's sake, but basically this rich young man who was not only young, but he's a, he's a ruler, he's obviously a person of great uh, resources, came up to Jesus and asked Jesus, Lord, how do I get eternal life? Uh, Jesus said to him, obey all the commandments. And he said to Jesus, well, I've done all of that since I was a child. I've been obeying them all. Oh, really? Jesus says. Okay, then. Jesus says, obey my commandment. Okay, Jesus, what's your commandment? He said to, Jesus said to him, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. That's the opt-in moment. That's when he needed to make a decision to be all in or all out. And guess what his decision was? Didn't take long. The Bible says that when he heard the command of Jesus, he went away sad because he just had way too much money. Jesus asked him, are you in or are you out? I'm out. You mean Jesus wants me to sell everything that I have and follow him? What would I live on? What about my children? What about my wife? And Jesus would say, if you love these things more than me, you're not worthy of me. Those are hard sayings, amen? I mean, those are very difficult things uh, to process for, for people. And yet Jesus 
was, was, was looking for allegiance here. He's, he's looking for true disciples. Those who will say, I will put you above everything. Okay? Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. What it means is that we cannot love other things than we love, than loving him. Our possessions, our positions, including our families, cannot be more important than God. I mean, that's how clear Jesus thought on these things. Jesus is not talking about a matter of priority. See, that's, that's our problem. And that's the problem of so many people who follow Jesus. They're looking at discipleship as a matter of priority. Okay? But Jesus never spoke about being a disciple in terms of, a disciple in terms of priority. Being a follower of Jesus is not a, about prioritizing Jesus. It's not priority its centrality. I want you to think about that for a moment. Uh, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I don't want you to think in terms of me being number one. Okay? And that's how, that's how we are. When you ask an average Christian, hey, what's number one in your life? And we always say, Jesus is number one. But if you look at our lives, he's actually number four. That's true for me. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Many years of my life, I've always thought in my mind that Jesus was number one. Because I didn't understand what it means to be a disciple. I think in terms of priority, while Jesus is saying, don't think in terms of priority, you'll never make it. Think in terms of centrality. Jesus has to be at the center of life, not some prioritize number. So be careful when you say Jesus is number one because you're going to have to live up to that statement. Okay? But if we put Jesus at the center, He becomes the hub and in a wheel and the rest are spokes that come out. Everything comes out from Him. That's what it means to be a disciple. Just, just use that, that, that image of a, of a wheel there's a hub and all of these spokes that come out. Every part of your life comes out from the center. And that's what it means to be a disciple. Not making God a priority, but putting God at the center of everything. A disciple is someone who knows and obeys the commands of Jesus. And he or she lives by them. Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This isn't the Great Commission. We recite this all the time. We understand this commandment. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice, he says, teaching everybody to obey everything I have commanded. That's important to Jesus. Because a disciple is someone who's consumed by the commandments of the Lord. As we study the Word, the Holy Spirit reveals to us more and more about Jesus. That's why we can't divorce discipleship with reading and studying the words of Jesus. Now, let me ask you. Think of a person that influenced you the most 
in your life. We all have heroes, okay? We all admire certain people. We all, uh, you know, uh, keep records of, 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 of the songs <laughs> that the people we admire. Um, we all had mentors. And, and, and many of these people we haven't actually physically met. And yet, they live in and through us through the influence that they had in our lives. You know, I, I, I admire uh, great preachers, preachers like uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, for instance. I've never met him. He died back in the turn of the last two centuries. He, he lived in the 1800s. Never met him, but I've read his work. I've, I've, I've read his sermons. And, you know, they kind of shape your life. That's what it's supposed to do to us when it comes to the words of Jesus. It's supposed to shape us. 